projects keep coming to me. People keep coming to me <laughs> saying, hey, I got a project. I have a board <laughs> of like dates and projections oh, yeah. of when I'm supposed to be shooting things. And there's like 20 movies on that board. And yeah. I don't know how I'm supposed to get to them all. Put aside all the acting this guy has done in TV shows and movies, including his role of Viper on Full House and Fuller House. He has eight movies that he's currently filming or in post-production as either an actor, a writer, a producer, a director, or a combo thereof, which is most of those. David Lipper is on the podcast, everyone. Word. How is that for an intro? That's, wow, it's a lot, it's a mouthful. <laughs> but dude, you are like the busiest guy in Hollywood, man. You have so many projects going on. I found a niche. How many movies did you make last year? Six. Six. How many have you made this year so far? Six. <laughs> and now how many do you have could still make this year if uh, time permits? Maybe another two or three. Wow. Probably two. You found a niche. What is your niche? Um, It's evolving. As you said, I started really as an actor and yes. I made my living mostly as an actor. Not only that, but this guy has been working as a working actor since the 90s, like nonstop. Since I mean, the his, 80s. His, his, since the 80s. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He was a child actor. I mean, I I think of you yeah. as you're born in 1980. Yes, you were working as in the 80s as well. What was your first big role? Um, I starred on a TV series in Canada called Time of Your Life. It was like a teenage soap opera. Mm. So it was five days a week. And that I did 75 episodes of. Wow. And I did that in 1987-88. So I got off the show because I decided I wanted to go back to school and I didn't think the show was going to go another season and it didn't. So it ran 150 episodes and it, oh. and it died. Um, and I went to Emerson College. College in Boston, where I played varsity hockey. Oh, wow. I still play hockey. You do, uh, yeah? I do. My brother is also, and, and he still plays every week, uh, like a floor hockey yeah. with guys. And so you play ice hockey? I do the ice hockey. Yeah. Every so. now and then we have these actor, celebrity games. I got to play one with Dave Coulier from Full House. Oh, yeah. I got to say, he's a pretty damn good hockey player. Really? Yeah. Is he Canadian in real life or no? He's a Michigan guy. Michigan, okay, so that's close yeah. to Canada. Yeah, it's, it's really right a Michigander. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Basically, you know, I was, I was that guy. Um, came up and obviously like you mentioned Full House I was a sitcom guy did a lot of comedy and then a lot of really bad Lifetime movies um, <laughs> but non-stop working non-stop the last series I did was one called Frequency for the CW yeah and I was the serial killer the Nightingale killer wow um, and unfortunately, that got canceled after 13 episodes. Bit of a current story in my career, which is every single series gets canceled. I mean, that happens to everybody. Right, Eventually, right. Some, you'd like to get a few seasons out of them. <laughs> I seem to never get more than one. Um, and then bouncing between these funny roles and these sitcoms to yeah. killer in these Lifetime movies and That's NBC crazy. movies and CBS movies. And, uh, and then eventually, independent film started happening for me. Yes. Um, and I started to see a window of doing other things. I started writing and I wrote this Christmas movie of, I had this idea bouncing in my head of where do all these Dear Santa letters go, right? right? The kids write them, they put them in the mail, where do they go? And so the post office told me, well, they go to an address, whatever's written on the envelope. Well, it says North Pole. Uh, okay, what if there's a North Pole road and it's in Canada? Oh. And so um, I came up with this idea that these orphan kids um, that are living in a foster home, um, they find out they're going to be split up 
the two different families. So they follow their dear Santa letters to yes. find Santa Claus to get a home for Christmas. So by the way, that movie will be airing this holiday season. Is it called The Christmas Letter? It's called A Christmas Letter. Wow. And it's on Up TV this Christmas season. Was that the first thing you did as you segued in from the acting into your own company no, yet or not? That yet? was just one script. The reason that one got made now is I'd written it years ago. Yeah. And it, it's what we call in the business stuck in turnaround. Oh, yes. Uh, it got <laughs> options and then it came back to me and then another producer optioned it. It came back to me and then I said, why don't I just make it myself? Yes. I'm a producer now. What I did is I figured out how to do it. Yes. Um, and we did and it's already aired on the CBC. It aired last Christmas. Canadian Broadcasting Company. That's right. It was a big hit for them and hopefully it'll be a big hit here on the American side. Up TV. Every Christmas November, people December. be watching it. Yeah. By the time I got to that movie, that was the third movie I had shot during COVID. This is the first movie I ever directed. So I was locked into oh, my wow. schedule and my shot list and um and finally we had a day off and i was like started to hear things and then right. i put the tv on and there's the president declaring we have a pandemic wow. and i thought oh god they're gonna shut us down of course not oh god i could die right. or anything like that <laughs> it goes a oh, true film my movie exactly um, is all i think about and i have ali simpson's mom on the phone screaming at me get my daughter on the next plane because she's from australia right right and we got on the last plane out to Australia and I had to, sh you know, basically condense uh, a 16 day shoot, which is already pretty tight, uh, into 11 days because I knew they were shutting us down. And I had to get people out. Yeah. I lost my stunt crew. I started choreographing the stunt scenes. Right, right. No, SAG, I did not yes. do that. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, as my lawyer says, we got it done. And yeah. that movie is out now. You can watch it for free on Amazon Prime or Tubi or wow. any of those. And um, yeah, I'm really proud of that movie. I had gotten a certain level of comfort in shooting in the pandemic just because I was forced into it because yeah. there was no way I was going to let my movie go. When my first AD on that movie, Elizabeth Lake Thomas, came to me with um, Just Swipe, a romantic comedy, yep. um, and said, I need help producing this. And uh, would you star in this for me? I'm going to direct it. And I said, sure. And then I realized, oh, I got to raise all the money and Figure the whole thing out. Is that like executive producer that she wanted you to be? No, or no. I'm full on producer. You brought the money as well? You know, Part of when it. you're responsible, you're responsible. You're responsible, so yeah. I quickly went to work and raised some funds. And most importantly, I made the call to Jody Sweeten. Yeah. Um, from Full House? From Full days? House and Fuller House. Yeah. Um, she became a much bigger star on, on Fuller House because that centered on her and Candace. Um, we shot it in eight days at the Sinatra Estates. And again, this was lockdown. This was before we had the vaccine. And so what I did was I rented out this estate and I said, here's what we're going to do. Is that in Palm Every Springs? No. They're, they're, he has houses yeah, all over. Yeah. This was in Woodland Hills. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So we made this film. And then I thought, well, now I've made two during the pandemic. I started working on the script with Kelly Price for Curse of Wolf Mountain. He had an idea. He said, I need your help. I helped him with the script. And uh, and he ended up writing a draft that we could shoot. Um, we shot two days in my house and six days on a mountain in Castaic sure. um, near Magic Mountain. It's called The Curse of Wolf Mountain, which came out Wolf. May 9th. Yeah. It stars Danny Trejo, Tobin Bell from all the Saw movies. Wow. Um, and uh, of course, myself. You directed and started it. You want to start it? Yes. 
played a key character in it and somehow shot a movie in eight days on time. Again, eight um, days. I mean, that I'll never do again. That that was insanity. 12 days is bad enough. You really have days. to have a good cast that can do it in what? One well, take, two takes? To be honest, you got to know what you're doing because basically like, you go here, you go there, you run your lines, you're on the wrong set. I need wardrobe and he's got the wrong clothes on. <laughs> and it's like, and roll camera. Wow. And it's like that. And then I go, great. How am I doing? You're 20 minutes behind. And then the funny thing is we were, we shot day for night. Oh yeah. Which was, so we got to sleep. This is my genius idea when they go, Dave, can't afford the lights. We can't afford the generators. We can't, we don't have the time to move it all around the mountain. And I said, I have the solution. We'll go day for night. No problem. Very, very difficult. So you're constantly running away from the sun. It's, it's counterintuitive. You know, it was an experiment yeah. for all of us. Yeah. You know, none of us had done it before. So right. you know, there's no one person. It's your third film. Yeah. You know, we did it. And I thought we, we made a really fun, low budget horror film. Yeah. You know, I killed 10 people in the movie. And it's great. That, it's hard enough to do the rom-com <laughs> in a house. Right. That we did in eight days. Right. That's much, much easier yes. than doing stunts, practical effects, and there's visual effects. And yes, this was a long post-production, cleaning it up in post. This is the problem when you rush and you go, oh, we'll deal with everything in post. Well, then you have a very long post. Yeah. You know, and what could be like a three-month post, it turns into a year post. Wow. You know, we had to remove things that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is in a Christmas letter, one of the kids forgot to take her mask off. Because it was back in the days. Oh, where yeah. With the masks. COVID mask, yes. I had to wear the masks between every shot. And so I had him remove the mask. And then, of course, a chunk of the face is missing. And then he had to put the face back in. Oh. Unfortunately, the one master shot, I didn't have more coverage. I didn't have another shot without the mask. So we fixed it in the coverage, but we moved on from the master shot before oh, we man. figured out she had a mask on. So once, uh, again, once you remove something, yes. then you have to put it back. And so he rebuilt her face. And, oh my uh, God. Anyway, really amazing job that he did on that. I can imagine. That's the movie magic of making this stuff. And also because you were, had the ability to write, because you were the writer, I got to figure out how to fix this. Oh, we'll just add this scene or a voiceover or the DJ or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? That's great. And that was the movie I always wanted to star in. I was so excited to play the lead in. Because um, I really wrote it for my voice. Like yeah. The Unwilling is another one that I wrote and starred in. Okay. That came, that was the first one that came out uh, like five years ago. That's got like six million views on YouTube. Wow. On one movie YouTube channel. That's yeah. amazing. So it's doing really, really well. Um, this podcast on YouTube will get six million views. It will top it. Six million and one it'll get. If all six million. If all six million from the, <laughs> the button. We're going to do just great and leave a good review, would you? Um, how did you learn how to produce? Because it was uh, not supposed to happen. And just it was one of those situations where we got together, a bunch of buddies and said, let's make a movie. Yeah. And Julia Verdon was my manager at the time and uh, came on as as the lead producer. But, um, you know, she got a lot going on in her life and and she needed somebody to really run things on the ground and get things going. And so I, I stepped up Wow! and uh, then I learned every position. Yeah. Uh, and I realized what makes me a valuable producer is I know every job. You know, I know the creatives from the writers to the directors. I know the sh I know what they're doing because I've yeah. done it all. I even know what the grip and electric the best are doing. boy. You're doing crafty. If you have to, you're out there. You're, you're I love when they're like, we need five people in the art department. You need five people. Why? Well, we got to move furniture. I'm like, I've moved a couch. It takes two people. Yeah, exactly. Because I've been on these ultra low budget. Yes. Where I'm moving the furniture. Right. <laughs> and I don't think you need five. After a Christmas letter. Yeah. I got home and my friend, Bob Daly. Yes. Um, and if the name sounds familiar, because his, his dad, Bob Daly Sr., or Robert A. Daly, um, was the chairman and CEO of Warner Brothers from 1980 to 2000. Yes, also, 20 years. You still the Dodgers if you're a baseball fan. Yeah, I am a baseball fan, more of the Yankees, but yes. Yeah. He's one of the owners of the Dodgers? He was. Oh, he was. Yeah, he owned it. Um, 
soon right after Warner Brothers, so in the early okay. 2000s. Wow. Yeah, so we go to a lot of games. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Pretty yeah. good seats, too, I will say. I would assume, yeah. yes. Bobby basically saw what I was doing, and he said, I can't believe in all these terrible circumstances you've delivered every movie on time, on budget. Someone's going to someone's gonna grab you, he said. I said, it's funny you say that because somebody made me an offer. He said, I knew it. I said, what do you mean you knew it? Like, what do you care? Uh, it's, like, it's like, did you plan on wanting to do something with me? He goes, I don't know, maybe. I go, what do you mean, maybe? Like, let's make a company. So we made a company. Wow. And it's called Latigo Films. Latigo. In October, it'll be two years. We've made 11 movies together. <laughs> My God. In less than two years. It's unfathomable. I know. In fairness, I will say this. I didn't run every show from beginning to end. Right. Just most of them. Um, <laughs> all six last year, yes. Um, in fact, one, I was just a producer for hire on Candy Flip. I came in, I crewed up for them. I, um, you know, I helped them have the right team in place to run the show with me and um, and then I shot second unit. That's the thing. That's oh, yeah. another advantage to me as a producer is I generally am shooting the second camera. That's how you make 12 days work on a film. Because oh. think about it, if I'm one camera right. all day every day and I get 12 days in, that's gonna be tough. But if I'm two cameras, in a sense, it's like 24 days. Yeah, right? just yeah. You're getting double the coverage. Wow. If you're using that camera all the time. And when I have two cameras, I'm using that camera all the time. Because if I see it sitting there, right. I'm grabbing the you know the sheet from the director that I've gone through. And I say, look, I'm going to knock this shot off. I'm going to knock this shot off. Well, I'm going to knock off this, this, and that. And uh, I'll take my little unit, my B unit, and we'll knock this stuff off. And sometimes I shot entire scenes. And even scenes I was in. Um, yeah, you won the stars of it. It's another Your writer, one I, producer, I won the stars of that movie. That's right. I do my research. That's right. <laughs> so Hunt Club came out April 4th. It's doing very well. I uh, had a nice run on what we call TVOD, the transactional VOD stage, where people pay to rent or buy it. Okay, yeah. Uh, which you can still do. And now it's with commercials on on Tubi. And yep. If you don't want to see the commercials, then you rent it. Ah, something like a 71% score wow, on Rotten Tomatoes, that's really which good. I'll take. That's really on, good, on actually. the audience uh, side. You know, for these kinds of movies, that's what you want to see. Let me ask you about this, about your company, about uh, Latigo. You guys must have a formula because you... Do you make like films of a certain uh, budget range? Do you reverse engineer? Do you like find out what they're doing overseas and say, okay, uh, this is what's hot over there. Here's my concept. Let's get, here's my actors. I'm going to attach to it. Let's shoot the poster and let's sell it. What's like, what do you guys do? All fantastic ideas. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> um, it's kind of a little more freeform. The general philosophy is let's make movies we want to make with people we want to make them with. But ultimately we're focusing on genre pictures. We do have some dramas in there that are passion pieces, um, again, with people we want to be working with. I have a piece from Tom Hopper and his wife. So Tom Hopper starred in my Western called Place of Bones. My partner Bobby and I produced for Latigo. With uh, uh, Heather Graham also. With Heather Graham. Okay. Well done. It's my Western. Uh, we just Western. finished that film. Yeah. So that is going out to sales now. It'll make its debut in Toronto and hopefully make a nice sale or several. When people see me produce on set, they tend to hit me up and say, hey, you're somebody I want to work with again. Tom approached me with his team uh, at Range, Range Media, who rep them. Yep. And um, I thought the script is beautiful. It's an autobiographical story written by his wife, Laura, about growing up with an autistic child and what that does to the marriage. And most marriages don't survive. Really? I didn't know things. that. Yeah. I think 70 to 75%. Wow. It's really, really stressful in a marriage, especially when somebody like Tom Hopper is off shooting Umbrella yes. Academy yes. and all the fanfare and the money and the luxury. And mom is at home dealing with a very difficult child to yeah. bring up, you know, yeah. someone who's going to have different outbursts um, yep. as autistic children do. And, you know, it takes a lot, uh, a lot of parenting 
and patience and love and tolerance. And at some point, the couple's are either going to come together over it or they're going to break up. Right. And what happens in this movie is right at the crisis moment, they find a new level of connecting and working on this together. And I've sent it to Michelle Yeoh to play the mother who's coming off of her Oscar win. And I've been talking to her managers. Oh, they'd be great. A lot She's about it. I love her amazing. and yeah. been wanting to work with her even before she won the Oscar. Yeah. That's something we're putting together right now that we hope to be shooting in spring of next year. Um, and that's the kind of thing that happens. Projects keep coming to me. People keep coming to me <laughs> saying, hey, I got a project. I have a board <laughs> of like dates and projections oh, yeah. of when I'm supposed to be shooting things. And there's like 20 movies movies on that board and yeah. I don't know how I'm supposed to get to them all. But I am making a lot of movies, so I'm getting to them one by one. And um, and what happens is also people are coming to me saying, hey, listen, we need help. We heard you're the guy to come in when there's a problem and you'll figure out how to fixer. fix it. You're the cleaner, the fixer. And so we kind of developed this reputation. So all the sales companies and producers and all kinds of people are calling us nonstop saying, hey, we got a movie. It's just about there. We're a little screwed up right now. How do we fix this? So this year was really about those kinds of movies and also getting into bigger films, right? Because uh, last year we had maxed out at a $5 million budget. Okay. We wanted to get to $20 million budgets. And okay. so we made a movie this year called Not Without Hope, directed by the brilliant and written by the brilliant Joe Carnahan. Yes. Um, who did a movie called The Grey with Liam Neeson. Yep. Did like $100 million in box office or close to. So I looked at the script and I looked at what they had in Malta and I saw that there was something amazing. It's a true life story, by the way, about the four football players who went fishing off the coast of Florida in 2009. And they dropped the anchor and they knew a storm was coming, like right. a hurricane. And they're like, nah, no problem. We'll fish. We'll get out of here long before the storm comes. Can't get the anchor up. And they're pulling and they're pulling and four huge, you know, big football wow. guys. Colin Smith had won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Wow. 37, I believe. Anyway, so then they have this really clever idea and say, hit the gas. Let's see if that works. And they hit the gas and the whole boat flips over. Now they're in 60 degree water. They're sharks. There's, oh my God. And then the rain comes and the wind and the hurricane. And then I made a call to uh, my agent at CAA and uh, said, I need a little help. I want to grab Josh Dumel to yep. play the Coast Guard captain who kind of puts the whole rescue effort together. And I had worked with Josh before on a film called Bandit. Yep. Um, in fact, I had a nice conversation with him at the uh, premiere party and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to send you something because I want to work with you. And reached out to his manager, Carabino, uh, but mostly Lori Bartlett at, uh, at CAA. And um, we got it done in a few days, got him out to Malta and made an unbelievable movie. So That's great. yeah, we have a major position in this. I have a major credit in this as a producer, as does my partner, Bob Daly. Yep. And, um, and we're beyond excited. Uh, I think this is going to be a huge movie. I think it's going to be a box office movie. Yeah. I think it's going to hit the faith-based world, you know, because mm -hmm. how did this one person survive? I'm sorry to give it away, but if it's a true story. That's yeah, true there, story. People, people know, know yeah. it. Um, how did he survive and the other ones didn't? All in you know, 20 something year olds in great shape. Wow. You know, I think faith played into it. And yeah. Zachary Levi, who's yes. the guy, Shazam. is a faith-based guy. So, yep. um, so I like that angle. So we're looking at, at that as part of, you know, our marketing efforts, because I feel like it speaks to that community a lot. And, and it should. That movie is a huge part of what we've done this year. We made a movie that I believe we will be Kodak Theater, but the uh, Dolby is it? Dolby. Yeah. Uh, I'll be there for the Oscars. Really? When um, Sir, Sir Anthony, Hopkins Anthony Hopkins wins for Best Actor. And I, I'm telling you, I think 
at the very least, going to get nominated. He plays Sigmund Freud in a movie that we're producers on called Freud's Last Freud's Last Session. Session. And the um, his co-star yep. is Matthew Good, who plays um, the writer uh, C.S. Lewis, and uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins plays Sigmund Freud, and they get into these massive debates oh, wow. uh, about religion and non-religion, and of course, Freud is not a believer, and Matthew Good plays C.S. Lewis, who is a believer, uh, and a fascinating dialogue in the backdrop of World War II happening. Um, So it's a really, really, really strong position film for award season. So I believe that's going to be one we're going to be thrilled. When it lists me as producer or produced by... Would you be executive producer on that one? As executive producer on that one. You guys finance your own movies that you mostly write most of them. Or I'm usually raising most of the You're raising money for my movies. Am I correct that you... Aren't you part of Brideheart coming out? We are. So... With Rebel Wilson? Yes. This is huge. She's huge. Well, not huge anymore. Not Without Hope is a $20 million movie. Brideheart is our first $30 million movie. Wow. Um, amazing people on this. Um, the guys at Balcony 9, Joel Moore and his partners, uh, put that thing together. But um, you had Cassie and Elways as a, as a lead on set producer. Huge. One of the greats. Yeah, well, exactly. And I had a really good time getting to know Cassie and chatting away at the monitors. Whoops, not supposed to say that. No, we didn't talk by the monitors at all. <laughs> um, him, Colin Camp, uh, who I believe brought in Rebel. Oh, really that's great. In Savannah, Georgia, which let me just tell you about Savannah, Georgia in the summer. Oh. Don't go there. I mean, sorry. I it shouldn't say that. It's so hot in the summer. You know, it's like four in the morning. We had a lot of night shoots on this. And it's like four in the morning. I'm like, does it ever cool off? That's <laughs> four in the morning and yeah. it's 100 degrees. How's yeah. that possible? That's crazy. Uh, we shot at the, the Ford Estate, the former Ford Estate. Yep. Or yep. Maybe it's still a Ford Estate. I don't know. Really nice place. Yeah. A lot of land. From the Henry Ford family? That's right. Okay. And they may have had a few dollars, those people. Yeah. yeah. So that movie is going to be Fantastic. It's directed brilliantly by Simon West, who, if you don't know, has made a lot of big movies like Laura Expendables, Kraft, Expendables Kraft, 2, Con Air. It goes on and on. Huge. Huge. Very good with action. And, yeah. uh, and Rebel really brought the comedy. So you got a nice action comedy and the supporting cast. A lot of very funny people uh, in that supporting cast. You have Anna Camp, who's actually really a, a lead. Yep. Justin Hartley from This Is Us. Okay. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Dorff is a villain. So oh, that's um, great. a lot of really good people in this cast. And that one, again, we didn't put it together. We didn't run it, but we were a big part of saving but it. But you're getting yeah. called in as the as the cleaner, the fixer, your company. You guys, yeah. you guys are getting called in. On this one, I was more working with them on the finance structure and that side um, and getting their last funds that they needed. So now your price range of your movies are anywhere from like a million to 30 million. That's right. And growing. And you have funds ready for the smaller movies and you, you have go-to people for the larger movies? I mean, every movie is its own. It's almost like a startup company, if, if any of you can relate to what that's like. Okay, let's go to our usual pack of investors sure. that invest in the last startup, yeah. you know, and then let's put our package together and explain why you should invest in this product and how it's going to make money yep. and what the risks are and what the potential rewards are. Yeah. And we have to do that on every single film. Yeah. The problem that I'm now discovering is I'm also responsible for the sales and distribution and collections. Right. So <laughs> when I finish the movie, I'm not finished. Right. <laughs> and all these movies are adding on to each other. I now found I have to kind of work from the time I wake up until about 10 or 11 o'clock at night just to make my days of everything that's going on. And, you know, and I had to hire staff. And I yeah. have staff now. Right? Oh, I so I have 
I have an assistant. I have my head of production. Denise is a workhorse like me. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I thought I was the hardest working person I know, but um, you know, I'll sign off at like midnight where we've been messaging each other, and yeah. then I'll get these emails. Right. One a.m., two a.m., three a.m., four a.m., yeah. five a.m., and I'm like, Denise, go to sleep. I'm waking up now. I'm watching the five a.m. email. I just woke up. Right. And she's like, oh, I'll go to sleep for a couple hours. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of the dedication of my team. So then, how does a David Lipper date. <laughs> does, a da does David Lipper, does he have time to date? Are you I, dating somebody or not? Do you have time to date? You don't have any time to date. I swear, I just had this conversation with my mother. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a problem. I, I am not going to lie. This is the one drawback to yeah. Oh, yeah. what I'm to doing. Be and successful look, and as busy uh, Again, think of the startup analogy. I'm in that startup phase also for the company. You know, we have a bunch of partnerships going on now. We've made some tremendous relationships. Obviously, my partner comes from, you know, almost royalty in, yeah, in yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because his father truly was one of the greatest, yeah. if not the greatest studio boss ever and, yeah. and the glory days of Warner Brothers. So there's True. a lot of shoes to fill here and a lot of responsibility and I don't want to let anybody down. So right now I'm putting in the work. Unfortunately, that's one of the byproducts being left behind is dating's been very hard and I've tried a few times in the last couple of years and I'm usually met with, you know, call me you know, when you're, yeah, exactly. And exactly. And it it's sucks, tough. you know, because yeah. I, I you want to date. I know that. Yeah. And I want to be there for the person. I'm yeah, dating. of course. Like of I, course. I want to be, you know, listening and empathetic and, yeah. and, and there. Yeah. And the problem is also my hours. Like I can't shut off because it doesn't stop. Right. And I'm dealing with Australia and I'm oh, dealing yeah. with Malta and I'm dealing with England. And these are all different time zones. And, yeah. you know, the bond companies in England and the production companies in Malta and then the line producers in Australia. And sometimes people don't understand. When the last girls I was dating, oh, she goes, I need you to commit at eight o'clock on Saturday. We're going to do this thing. I said, okay, yeah, we're going to do it. And then at like two in the afternoon, something else would happen that is so important business-wise. I'm like, can we just, and she'd get so mad at me. So I I, under, I know what you're saying. I mean, but you're at a whole different level. You're working nonstop. Yeah. It's very hard to, because you want to be there for them. I'm basically running a studio. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you are your own mini major. It's funny. My my lawyer, Paul Ament, he said to me once, he used to run a company called Live Entertainment, and they, they had a staff of 25 people. He said... So David, we had a full staff of 25 people in a massive office yeah. making less films than you're making. I know, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. I don't know anybody who made as many so. as you. This is great. David Lipper, everyone, the workhorse Hollywood phenom. Thank you very much for being here, buddy. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. Absolutely, my man. Great to be here. Thank you. Awesome.